Welcome to episode two of the Inspired Energy podcast with strengths-based coach Murray Guest. We are exploring strengths and living an inspired life through having conversations that matter. I'm really excited about catching up with Andrew Sloan today. He's a human futurist, therapist, strengths coach, and technologist. Andrew supports individuals and teams to upgrade themselves to thrive in our faster future. I've got to know Andrew through the strengths community, and Andrew is such an awesome guy. I'm really excited about our chat today. Uh, we caught up in the Clifton Strength Summit in Omaha earlier this year and had lots of fun. Uh, we meet regularly as part of the strengths community in Sydney, Australia. And uh, I know he is so passionate about this idea and this concept of our faster future. And I know we're going to get a lot out of this session today. So let's go. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, sir. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm great. And you know, we are recording right now. We are straight into this podcast. <laughs> Love it. I have done the introduction. It's you and me today talking about you, uh, your awesomeness, what you bring, and um, this whole idea of faster future, which we're going to get into this morning. Beautiful. Um, I'm using this new platform, Anchor, which I love. It's just bang, record, invite friends, let's talk. Mm. Um, and not just friends, people like you, which um, inspire me to be a better strengths coach. Mm. That's a very kind thing to say. Oh, well, I'm, I believe in honesty and you do. You've, you've got a way of talking to people. Uh, I'm sure it's one of your strengths shining beautifully, which um, just captivates people. Mm. Maybe it's those bright blue eyes. <laughs> I was talking about my eyes the other day. They actually change colour and um, they go from blue to green and I'm not sure what that cycle represents just yet. Uh, is it, does it in relation to your moods or, or energy or anything like that? Um, look, I can't see a direct co co correlation, but I definitely feel like it might be my energetic output, yeah. not so much my mood. But, yeah, maybe they're related. Mm, okay. How have you been? Really well. It's been an interesting four weeks post-Omaha Summit. So um, do you get or have you experienced post-summit or conference downer? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, Murray, I didn't know it existed. Okay, that's so it's a new, so, a new thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a new thing. So I'm really fascinated to find out your your experience of this as well. But I I had a bit of um, you know recreation time post summer in New York and LA with some really great friends, and then came back home and I was like, wow! And there was it was this feeling of um, a disconnect mm. in some particular way, which was. Actually, in retrospect, as I look back on those few weeks, it was my actual space for creating new things. And I think biologically my body wasn't ready for that space and it, it felt like doing was the right answer, you know, and actually being was the right answer post-summit. And it, it caused me um, a really generative space to open up, but it was a really hard space. Like it was, was fear-filled actually. It was a a space filled with um, a bit of fear, um, fear that then gave way to a generative creative space, which was um, really surprising. I, I didn't expect it. I wonder if uh, your travel plans post-summit and not 
And I, I don't know exactly what you did, but I know that you had some uh, travel time, some downtime, as you said. I'm just wondering mm. if that travel inhibited your chance to start to change maybe how you wanted to be or do post-summit and that added to maybe some internal frustration? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think there is, and this might come back to my ethos on how I approach strengths-based coaching or life in general. I, I don't think it was a bad thing, a quote-unquote thing that needs to be corrected. I think that downtime actually prepared me for a pretty intense period of going, what the hell? And that, that what the hell, the depths of that what the hell are sometimes needed to create things for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm looking now at so much more clarity, Murray, than I probably had ever about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and all of the things that have been curated in my life to get me to, you know, the middle of, or just beyond the middle of 2018. What was it that contributed to you getting that clarity? I I think it's the intensity. I I think it's the intense shifts from those contractive spaces to those expansive spaces that we find in life, you know. I think whatever happened through summit, it was a wonderful, expansive, connective time. And then coming back felt a bit more like contraction, that sort of the yin and the yang of that, the pull and the push of that. So it's not um, like a one conversation you had at the summit or one session. It was the nah. intensity of the experience. Yeah, I think it was a whole lot of different things. You know, I remember doing a, a bit of a live video with Kath Baker um, before I went to summit and I teared up thinking about walking into a space of people that had the same perspective as I did on life, that people were more good than bad. Mm-hmm. And I remember the pull of that coming into that moment and what it meant to me at a very deep level. Um, It's interesting when you get there, there were so many other things that were equally as important. Some challenging experiences, you know, some really uh, amazing conversations, but many conversations, you know, I've got Wu, as you know, in my second position in my top five. Isn't Wu your um, top five? (laughs) Like you've got Wu, Wu, Wu. In the second (laughs) <laughs> you wish <laughs> no um Wu is you know probably statistically quite high you know uh, in the when the maths are crunched but can i ask you a quick question this is just sure. a little diversion that i like to have mm-hmm. and i haven't had this conversation with many people do you think that it would be beneficial if there was a frequency rating to your strengths that was provided when you completed your strengths assessment. So what I mean by that is not just the order, but mm. the percentage of strength, yeah. Of, of the strength of that strength. Mm. So for example, like you said, Wu is quite strong with you as it is, and related for me is and responsibility. But um because you know there's other tools out there which give you this sort of frequency of the um intensity of it. So yeah. I'm wondering so as I'm processing this and throwing it out there, I'm also thinking, hang on, that's the role of a coach to help people unpack that and understand that. Uh, what do you think? So my, well, you know, the BP10, yeah. um, the profile 10, they release the frequency to coaches. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be incredibly powerful for us as certified coaches to get on behalf of our clients 
because in the in the in in immature hands or in uneducated hands that don't understand the philosophy of the DNA of the strength process, to have that information might uh, encourage a deficit mindset, right? Which we know already happens when people unpack their all thirty four report. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, the, the, all the thirty four talents in an order, and so you know without having that coach as you're saying that expert in the room to able to process some of that information um it'd be hard you know one of the examples that i have muz that helps me understand this a little bit more is you know when you meet those people in facilitation or in coaching that you've only got their top five but they're all relationship building themes or they're all like developer individualization um uh, you know harmony and restorative you know they're, they're tightly packed. They seem tightly packed statistically mm-hmm. just off the, the back of the themes. Yep. That would be amazing to be able to kind of see where that top five fits statistically so that they can then broaden their reach to their top 15 if they need to um, based on what that, you know, what unfolds for them. Right now I do the, a similar process, but yeah, just yep. on, on that coaching conversation like you were describing. Yeah, I'm just thinking about a template that I could draw up, which takes mm. people through a process where you start to uh, colour in or shade the intensity mm. of your dominant talents. What a great idea. It's kind of like a, a tactical tool on, you know, the line underneath, um, mm. you know, uh, the, the two lines that you draw on the All34 report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going that a bit deeper. Yeah, well, it's actually bringing a visual metaphor, isn't it, to... Um, what you're actually trying to coach is the, oh, these are more intense than these ones. I like to describe, you know, the All34 as a, a toolbox sitting next to you and you've got 34 tools there. You've got them all. You have all of these 34 tools. However, the five or the 10, whatever you're coaching around, that are sitting on the top that you've used every single day of your life, that are well-oiled, sharpened, you've got the instruction manual for, those are your go-to tools that you grab. Um, and these are the ones that are your dominant talents. These are the, the things that um, you should rush towards and ignore the rusted, um, uh, raw, uh, rusty, um, blunt, I was, forgot the word blunt for a second, um, <laughs> to the bottom of the box, <laughs> get rid of it. So uh, here's the thing. So I moved house nearly four years ago and we've got a nice Caliban roof on this house the house was about five years old when i moved so it's getting close to 10 years old when we moved here our neighbors said oh i can't remember his name the previous owner she said every summer or spring he would be on the roof with a high pressure hose Mm. cleaning the roof Mm. and um these hands weren't made for that work andrew (laughs) so here's the thing i i'm looking at my roof it's a it's a it's a white gray sort of roof and it's got these sort of black spots and not a lot, but they're here and there. And also being a Virgo, I like things, you know, looking um, correct as I would like to see them. So anyway, mm-hmm. so here's the thing. I, I could climb up on that roof and get a safety harness and go and clean my roof. Mm-hmm. But that's, and honestly, for me, even to think about it and set it up and plan it and do all that, that's not my natural talents at all Mm -hmm. and every and here's the other thing as a business owner and a coach and an independent coach as i am every hour i take away from my business doing that it takes away from my opportunity to earn income 
Yeah. And I'm not at my best or it takes away from me spending time with my family or with my friends or having conversations like this. So, Or, or at worst, putting yourself into significant risk of harm because oh, that's right. You know, you, you don't have that um, repetitive um, memory about doing that particular task, you know, time and time again. Exactly right. So therefore I'm currently going, okay, air tasker or who's a local person that can be recommended that's going to cost me a couple of hundred dollars to get someone up on the roof to go and clean that and I'll get to where I want it to be. But I think it's just a simple metaphor about where do we invest our time um, and like you said, what are the tools that we are excellent at, not just that we can use, that we are excellent at yeah. and it's our zone of genius. But this is, the, this is the part of the shift post-summit, right? It's mm. exactly what you're talking about because the shift for me was I was trying in, in, in very subtle ways, I was trying to do things that were expected of me, not what I needed to do, if you understand, in, in life, in my work, mm. um, in my approach to even just talking about what I do and how I do it. I was kind of becoming something that potentially was what people wanted me to be, not who I needed to be for them. And so this sort of caring disruptor surfaced out of this really intense time. You know, this person who has high empathy, high responsibility, high belief, high arranger, um, this, oh, and high connectedness in my next five, right, my next five talents. This person who then disrupts with their top five, me, I, um, with woo, activator, ideation, strategic and communication, um, and really owning that and sitting within that, so really embodying that process. So um, that's that's the full circle of what I got out of it. And and try stopping picking up the roofing tools, you know, like stop picking up the water pressure cleaner um, and the harness, and stay on the ground for a second and do what you're supposed to do. That's I, I think exactly what came out of that intense period of time. So what are you not doing? since you got back from Omaha? Um, what am I not doing? I think... What are you consciously choosing to not do? Um, I think and overanalyze. Oh, okay. And what's the impact of that? Um, zeroing in on and really marinating in Purpose, principles, intentions, and what I'm standing for. Because what I've noticed is I, and look, to be honest, I've got great support around me. Mm. The biggest thing, <clears throat> the biggest thing that we can do as independent um, people in the world, coaching and all that sort of stuff, um, is have our support team around us. And so I have a really great clinical supervisor because I'm a certified therapist here in Australia. I have to have a certain amount of hours um, every year towards supervision. And I have probably the world's best supervisor. Um, she's a narrative therapist and I use narrative therapy in my practice. And we've been talking about the differences between the over-analysis that might happen in one's brain and that pulling apart of um, whether that be your brand identity, your service, the client question that you just ask or the reflection you're using next with that client. And putting, not stopping the analysis, but defavoring it for the principles and the purpose of that conversation or so, that piece of communication. I love that a lot. And I want to come back to it. But also your three points, you said what you're choosing or consciously not doing around purpose, 
mm. process and there was another one in there. What I'm not doing or what I am doing? What you are doing better. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Intention, principles, and what I'm standing for. Intention, principles, and what you're standing for. And, and I did say purpose, actually. You're right. You did. I said, yeah. <laughs> purpose is always there, though, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we hope it is, yes, yes. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, you are familiar with the term analysis paralysis? Oh, yes. Very much so. You've heard about it maybe once before. Once before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it amazing you can know that that saying, but then you get caught into a bit of a loop, and it's a biomechanical loop. I think it's it's within the body, right? This sort of when you're in a fear space, you pop back up into analysis because potentially in the past that's what's helped you get there um, or get out of it in the past, and it's kind of getting out of your head and into your gut. Can I just say, so you, changing that language from you to I. Yeah. I, I'm getting out of my gut and into my head. I need to, to manage that. Yeah, I, 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 I think I am. I'm in the continual process of doing that um, more and more. It's a continual unfolding, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I came back from the Strength Summit and went into about 14 or 15 days straight facilitation. Wow. So you want to talk about a blind spot of responsibility. Yes, client number one, I can do that. Yes, client number two, I can do that. Yes. And then I, I, uh, I was a little burnout and I wasn't at my best at home as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had some great conversations with Tammy just about how I'm saying no or saying yes and. Um, yeah. Because as you know, we, we give a lot when we're coaching and facilitating energetically yeah. and what's going, where are we going, what do they need, what's the questions. So post-summit, I was on a high. I mean, the connections with people, the conversations were just so good. And I think here's the thing. As humans, we are pack animals. You agree? Mm. Yep. Whether it's the tennis club, the bowls mm. club, the you know, whatever it is, there's a, a club or a group that people like to be associated with. It might be four-wheel driving. I don't know. <laughs> but there's something. And then so um, you're right. We go to Omaha and, as you know, I've been there for the three of them. It's like there's your pack. There's your tribe. You connect yeah. with them. And the conversations over dinner or breakfast or at any time, it's just, ah, oh, these are the connections I want to have. Yeah. And then – I think I did get a bit of that post-summit lull because you go, mm-hmm. oh, now my endorphins have dropped back down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. now I've just been facilitating for two weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I had a few tears one afternoon because I was feeling a bit like that. Um, yeah. But that's, I, I, but that's these conversations and connecting with uh, people like you that then keep, I think, my energy up as well. I think that's essential. It's part of that support crew I'm talking about because Mm. when we are endeavoring to support people through um, the world right now, you know, in 2018, um, you know, it's a lot of stretch for us. It's almost like we're the modern shamans in a particular way. You know, I I know your wife is, uh, um, is focused on um, naturopathy and, and I think they are most definitely a part of that league as well. But it's that modern sort of work in the world that 
you know, it's called a coach and it's called a therapist or it's called a facilitator and trainer, but we're really supporting people to understand and discover themselves. Mm. <laughs> and so oh, that totally. takes time and, and we have to do the work as well. So we're doing the work on ourselves and with ourselves, but then we're also supporting others in that space as well. So, um, yeah, it takes energy. I've had a, a chat before to a couple of people about coach burnout and, oh. and just that um, passion that we have and coaches yes. have, coach, therapist, counsellor, yep. um, let's, let's call them shamans, um, servers, <laughs> however we want to call them, that we are serving people day in, day out, that we've also got to serve ourselves. Yes. And yes. Tammy said something to me a while back, which was, um, you know that responsibility strength of yours that you own like a badge? I said, yes, honey. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, well, she said, you also got to be responsible to yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, she was so spot on, so true. Because um, otherwise we can't be at our best for others if we don't look after ourselves as well. That was me. So responsibility, I didn't, don't think I mentioned last time, but it's in my eighth position. Mm. And my maturing into that, was essential to this work, right? As, yeah. as your, it sounds like for you. And it's when I realized that the talents have to be offered out, but offered back within, um, you know, empathy back within, responsibility back within, um, communication back within, how you're communicating with yourself. Um, that's when I, it started to turn for me. Um, on, on another point here, I think, you know, the therapy community has got this a little bit more structured. Now, there is um, strengths and weaknesses in too much structure, right? So it's a little bit bureaucratic. There's a lot of conditions, a, a whole bunch of diff different stuff that happens in the background. But um, on the, you know, in the guts of it, it looks like, oh, I have to have a clinical supervisor to support me in processing my client's work who's under the same amount of confidentiality, confidentiality that I'm under. Yeah. Now it's emerging. I'm hearing it in just in our strengths-based coaching community, this concept of coaching supervision and um, having group-based coaching supervision as well to support us. Um, but we will get there. I think the coaching community and ICF will um, uh, grow in their capacity to support us around burnout and um, balancing some of this stuff for ourselves, regardless of what modalities you're using in coaching. Um, yeah, and I think um, when you look at the um, the welcomed and the much needed focus on uh, mental health, um, well being in organisations in corporates, it's just yeah. as important for people um, running their own business or as independent coaches or anyone in. Let's be honest, everybody. Um, Huge. And having those conversations and creating a safe space for those conversations. Mm. Mm. I totally agree. Yeah. It's funny, just going back when you mentioned about support. So as you know, Tammy, my wife, um, mentors, coaches, um, that traditional health space. Um, one of the biggest challenges she often sees is people who start a business, majority women, um, and they follow their passion, whether it might be massage, naturopathy, um, being a herbalist or a nutritionist. Um, but the challenge I often find is the support around them is lacking. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually wonder, and I wonder, because you work with a lot of entrepreneurs as well and startups and people that are, you know, following their passion, that 
these sole entrepreneurs that go out there, but they don't have that support around them or that sort of negative perception that, oh, you're just following your passion. You know, you'll go back to a real job one day or um, it's not going to work out or um, it's just a hobby. You'll never make any money, all that stuff. And I think... Or even the beliefs around if you just work hard and burn the midnight oil, you'll be successful. You know, push harder, harder. You're not pushing hard enough. And I think that's happening in large sections sections of our community right now. It's this sort of cultural story around success being a lot of busyness. There's this awesome article I read recently on HBR, which I shared online. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but basically the title is Why Are You Working 70 Hours a Week If You're So Successful? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and I, I've shared it with a few of my clients because I, I – Maybe that's your thing, that you want to work 70 hours a week, but uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? Personally, I don't find it sustainable for my own body. My own human experience mm. um, needs more rest. And, and I love the new, I don't know if it's new, but it's, it's ancient thought and new thought um, resurfacing anyway, that relaxation is um, the most revolutionary act you know, being calm and relaxed could be seen as a revolution <laughs> in, in our lives. And so I try, to, I try as much as possible to cultivate relaxation as much as I can. You know that I'm in, in certain spaces quite intense and mm. quite energized, but I really need the opposite of that at times. I read this amazing book a few years ago now, about five years ago, called Presence, um, Human Purpose and the Field of the Future by Peter Senge and a whole crew of people, Otto Sharma and Jaworski and someone else. Um, And in it was a chapter around um, John P. Milton, who was one of the guys, he's an old guy in the States who started the EPA in in the US. And he runs these awareness training programs in the deep jungle. (laughs) And one of the chapters uh, was focused on this experience. And I said, I'll never, ever, ever do that i will never do that That, that's just and it didn't leave you know when these concepts don't leave your body for a while and you're kind of like oh gosh what is that is that important i should look at that you know so what what is what is it for you that is like i'll never do it what is it about that activity well i'm i'm a very protected pots point princess some people might say (laughs) (laughs) and so you know i live a very uh considered and manicured life from you know all reports and so walking into a jungle for seven days by yourself with nothing no books no notepads no pens nothing you know no technology except you know what you're sleeping on um was not my idea of something that was familiar to me or something that was mapped to a past experience at all. And the next week I spoke to my partner and I said, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Just go do it. And so I booked it and I prepared for six months to go into the jungle for seven days. And so I flew into Costa Rica. We had two days of training with John. Can I just say how how awesome is Costa Rica? Oh, beautiful if if oh, it is just one of those places in the world that probably won't be there very long because mm. how how destructive we are as a human race but um it is one of the most beautiful environments i have ever 
been in. And so I was very fortunate to then walk into the jungle for seven days and I sat on a rock and we were doing meditation and awareness training type um, activities and, and things like that with ourselves. Mm. I didn't see a human face for seven days and I cultivated a sense of deep relaxation and deep calmness. Can I just say that that is awesome. You, your first part there was this resistance, this, I can imagine that very much a internal, yeah. just, you know, it like on resistance, Mars. Yeah. I'm <laughs> trying, to, trying to describe it, but yeah, for me, it would be if someone said, I'm going to drop you in the ocean and you've uh-huh. got to swim back to the shore. I'll be like, yeah. no, just, I'll just sink here. That's fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand that in that perspective, but for you to have that um, complete repelling of that idea, that concept to then mm-hmm. say, I'm going to do this. Mm. Um, what did you get out of that? It is this deep sense of, look, I had done a lot of body awareness work up and like before this point, which probably prepared me to even open up to this opportunity after that resistance. Um, but deeply, you know, seven days of not seeing a human face, I lost all perception of who I was. Um, I lost all sight of who I was versus who the universe was and the nature around me was. It was just absolutely bizarre. And so it's this hanging space that I can now experience anytime I need to within myself, this body awareness of that um, essence of being between worlds in some ways, in some weird way. Um, you know, I'm not overly spiritual or overly, um, you know, um, what people might describe woo-woo in that sort of uh, spiritualism space. But I am in, in some ways because I, I'm, I'm in awe of the mystery of being a human and peering out of these, you know, eyeballs. Um, but I, I think to really put it simply, I, put, I, I got a sense of infinite calmness within my body that I can now tap into any time I, I want to. Now, imagine that there's a, a point that you've now anchored that mm. you can go back to and you've even built some resiliency mm. um, towards that. So my middle child uh, is in year 10 and early this year there was a um, school trip to Malaysia and it was a world challenge trip. And we, we're going to chat about it uh, on the podcast, him and I, he's a, a beautiful, nice. inspiring young man. Anyway, leading up to it, he's like, I don't know if I want to go, I do want to go and, and then sort of he's sort of uh, switching backwards and forwards. Anyway, we get to a point um, and I said, you don't know what you don't know when you go on this trip. <laughs> as much as there's an agenda, there's things you're not going to work out. And so a couple of his mates pulled out, but there was others going and then he made some new friends, of course. And so he went and there was a, had a bit of Wi-Fi early on and it was about um, I feeling a bit homesick. I'm not too sure I feeling a bit homesick. And then he went for a trek for, I think it's four days in the jungle in Malaysia up north. And then when he was back into Wi-Fi, it was the most beautiful message, which was, um, this has been life changing. I can't wait to talk to you about it. I feel so awesome. Mm. And, and that experience, that emotion, I'm sure when we, I talk to him about it, it's going to be, again, it's going to be hard for him to articulate because it's it creates i'm sure a shift inside of someone which um sets them up for so much in the future i think it's those parts of experience that 
words don't come easily for because mm. they're unexplainable in some ways. It's almost like I feel like my words cheapen it yeah. <laughs> in some particular way. And maybe that's his experience. I want to say there's, there's a beautiful parenting idea you just um, gave us all, which is this opportunity to coach and guide our children towards the unknown. You know, what happens when we turn towards the unknown and open up rather than contract and um, shut down? And you're gently in a, in a very direct but indirect way offering him um, the opportunity to do that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I've learned over the years um, and I'm still learning. Um, trying to be the best that I can. And part of that is having a strengths-based approach and also um, also I'm just trying to think how to explain this, also trying to um, acknowledge where each one of my children are on their journey. Yeah. Yeah, with, with a bit of stretching. I'm, hey. not, I'm noticing a bit of a theme, Muzz, to our conversation, which is this, this idea of a movement between that sort of fear space and that, that space of creation and which might be termed love, you know, Mm -hmm. and generate new things, mapping that throughout all of these examples, really. Yeah. No, I, and I think it's so important whether you're a leader in a business, a, um, a partner with people in your life, (laughs) or um, with friends, that there's a space to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you ask me what my purpose is, it's a purpose where these conversations are happening more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, and and th- I know this can be my um, uh, a blind spot of the relator, which is if we're not going deep, sorry, I don't really want to have the conversation. That's <laughs> <laughs> I have Woo's number nine and I dial that up when I need to. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but then that relator comes back in, that's for sure. Yeah. If you had to get one of your strengths tattooed on your neck that you just owned, mm. you know, it's like um, this is me, who I am. Maybe you might get two, one on either side of your neck, I don't know, or across your head. Which, which ones are they going to be? Um, connectedness. Connectors, which isn't in your top five. It's in my top ten. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like my t- my top five are what walk into the room before I do. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and my next five, six through to ten, are the engine room of my experience and my existence. And so these are very, very important to me. Um, you know, things, ideas around connectedness for me is this sort of stuff that I tapped into in the jungle. Mm, mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear that now. On that, yeah, that's yeah. So, um, so connectedness would be on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side, oh, probably woo. <laughs> well, the oh reason why I, you said that with such conviction, probably woo. <laughs> <laughs> I say woo because, I look, people experience woo in very different ways some people are really jealous about woo and 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 there's this negative dialogue around it being too much and all this sort of stuff and it's all crap because i i i use it to build really quick warm trust filled relationships Mm. and 
that's how I use Woo. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and so Woo up here is, is my ability to, you know, create quick and warm environments for people to connect within. And, and that's kind of why I would have it up there. Do we point out in others what we fear in ourselves? What do you mean? Well, let's say someone goes, oh, Andrew's a bit high in woo. <laughs> is that because someone possibly, let's, what I'm putting out there is they fear that showing up in themselves, so they point it out in you. I very, rarely, you. I very rarely give personal, personal disclosure in my sessions one-to-one, right, in my yeah. private practice. Yeah. Um, but this client, we were finishing a series of 12 sessions and they, um, they said, don't you ever get, annoyed at people (laughs) and it was the last 30 seconds of the session and we were ending and and walking out of the room and I remember myself saying yes when they remind me most of myself (laughs) it was a very interesting ending to a session and have you you closed that off have you gone back to that uh no no we haven't um gone back to that but I think it's a really interesting point that you bring up because it, it reminds me of me saying that. Um, and often when I'm in that space, I'm using connectedness and a bit of the more disruptive talents up top to kind of really shone a spotlight onto why we might be so annoyed. And, yeah, I think that it either reminds us of ourselves or who we might want to be. A couple of years ago, I was working with a uh, bunch of men um, on a construction site. <laughs> and they um, had completed their strengths finder mm-hmm. or having this discussion. I think there was around 18 in the room and um, they were exploring their insight report, highlighting bits that connected with them. And then we're at that sharing point, which is always so valuable. And in that one of the gentlemen had connectedness and when he first saw it, he's a bit like, I don't quite get this. Like, I don't quite understand what this is about. And I said, well, read the report and then we'll start the exploration around what it means for you. And so he read his report and then um, in the group, people were sharing their top five. And um, he said connectedness and these blokes are like, oh, what's that all about? You bloody hippie. <laughs> there was a bit of that going on. And yeah. he, said, um, he said, hang on. Um, so on this, what would happen is as a supervisor's construction side, he described his connectedness showing up like this. He said, right. He said, you know, guys, when we're getting the sand delivered and then we're getting some materials delivered and then I say to put it there and then move that over here and you guys start working at this part of the site and then you start working here because after lunch we'll be up to here and you'll just go, yep, we understand. He said, because mm. I see how it's all connected and it's going to work out. Amazing. It was so cool. Amazing. And he, just, he just really claimed it and he saw. And then we had a bit of a chat in the, um, in the break, a bit deeper. Um, and he said, yeah, I, I've, I've got a bit of a um, theme in my life just about how things are connected bigger than just this work stuff, he said, and I'm starting to understand that more now. So it was really cool. Amazing. Now I'm going to change topics and tell me about when you say faster future, because you know time is just ticking along what do you mean when you say faster future it's a it's a really interesting concept because i i think at the same time as where our, our culture is moving quite fast we actually have the need and the requirement to slow down 
And so it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of an interesting, um, what would you call that? Anomaly or dichotomy? Dichotomy. Yeah. This tension between slow and fast. But when I talk about our faster future, I talk about the rapid pace of change. So, you know, it's only been 13 bloody years since we had mobile phones and social um, networks, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about a hundred years of technological change only. And the last 13 years mm. has spiked and accelerated pretty quickly. So I often think and ponder about the last 13, 14 years and wonder if our biology and our human systems, our cultural fabric, the way that we um, relate or exchange information, ideas or services or products has caught up. So noticing a lot of pre-internet thinking that is still in organizations that's keeping people not well in organizations as we've already kind of touched on briefly. Mm-hmm. Pre-internet thinking of hierarchical top-down um, control, um, having conversations on the surface rather than these deeper conversations might be uh, a trope or a symbol of pre-internet thinking potentially. So what, are you, what do you see when, when you're talking through all that? Um the needs for businesses to consider or take action on our own faster future? Well, I think we have to, number one, realise that the, the, the experience of technology and culture is quickening <laughs> and changing yeah. rapidly. And I think the next 10 years or 13 years will be double as fast as the last 14 in technological change. So what are we doing right now to cultivate that? So for businesses, I'm mindful that, you know, a lot of this is a bit far down the track. So I talk about fundamentals of, uh, you know, uh, future readiness or future proofing, which is self-awareness. Who am I? (laughs) How do I express that to people around me? And how do I balance what I get to know? How do I regulate that? And then I talk about the fundamentals of then extending that to the other, which is the team, team awareness. Who the hell are we? Mm-hmm. You know, um, how do we express that through our purpose, our values, our brand? How are we expressing that in team meetings? How are we expressing that in the things that we're, we're focusing on or not focusing on, as, as you might say? Yep. And then how do we balance that? And so these fundamental building blocks will prepare us for a future that we don't really know what will look like. And so a lot of the faster future stuff is saying there's a hell of a lot of complexity and uncertainty moving forward. So what are we going to anchor towards right now? What are we going to be sure of? Now, one of those keys for individuals and teams is your uniqueness. Um, Lisa Cummings, our beautiful, your friend, and I've kind of tagged on. Um, yes. uh, but you knew that was going to happen, I think. Well, she's, she's awesome. Yeah. She is awesome. She talks about diversity as our differentiation. Mm. And in one of our vlogs that we did last week um the week before she was talking about diversity as differentiation how diversity our uniqueness might become our greatest asset moving forward and if we're doing pre-internet stuff you know sitting in a large machine as a cog not knowing our uniqueness but just delivering on a piece of work because the hierarchy told us to, we may not be as future ready or future proof as someone who is right now in 2018 investing in exploring their uniqueness, what makes them especially unique in the world. 
And because that is what's going to be applied in the next 10 years. So um, when you talk about slowing down to um, uh, match or connect with the faster future, I'm getting the feeling that that slowing down is about let's slow down and get to know each other, get to know ourselves and mm. talk about that, understand that, and then create a space for us to be ourselves. Yes, 100%. And it also includes, so uniqueness is one of those components, but body awareness, you know, what is your body asking of you? The, the body as whole, not the parts, is mm. a huge part of this, you know. Our, our medical, and as you know, our medical system has cut the body into separate parts. We go to a doctor for the endocrine system. We go to a doctor for the brain, the heart, <laughs> the guts. <laughs> now, if we can actually get support around us and knowledge and real-time awareness around what our body as a whole is asking of us, we will be more prepared for the future as well. So I use somatic therapy as a particular tool in my toolbox for that. And what does yeah. somatic therapy mean for those that are not too sure? So somatic means in the body or of the body. And so of the body therapy, it is asking the body what is going on. So I do really simple things and, and, and anyone can do this. This is actually a tool that one of my really great colleagues, Vanessa Auditore, um, she's actually going to be there on the weekend away next week. But, um, so Vanessa created this tool around, hey, wow, you've got that strong emotion. Where does it sit in the body? When we first ask clients this who haven't done any of this work, they have no idea how to talk about it. Mm -hmm. talk about it. Well, I feel this and I think this is happening. All right. So where is that in the body? Oh, it's across the chest. Oh, okay. What is the color? What's the temperature? What's the direction? What's the movement? Yeah. And then we end with what is it asking of you? And so an example of that in my own experience was, you know, a lot of tension in my chest it, I actually didn't know I was so angry, you know, when I was a young person. I didn't understand that I was holding on to this anger and doing that body awareness process or that somatic processing. I could actually find where that anger sat in my body and I talked to it, communicated a little bit to it, understood what it needed. So in um, 2006, 2007, I did an advanced diploma in remedial massage. Wow. I was a massage therapist for a couple of years while coaching as well. Yeah. And um, you just reminded me of something we're doing in clinic. So as part of clinic, um, we would do some training and you do a number of clinic hours, as you know, to get your qualification. And um, we had a couple of hours um, to develop our skills. And what our trainer had us do was pair up. And when you first start massage therapy, um, you often get a routine that, okay, so you're going to do a remedial massage session and here's the routine and it's, you know, pretty much like back of legs, back um, arms and front of legs and pecs and, and finish with the head type of thing with a bit more detail. Yep. Then you build on that with, okay, now is there some trigger points or are there some specific areas and there's body assessments and all of that. Anyway, in this session, we paired up and people laid down, lied down, laid down, and, and, Either way. and we um, said, okay, now start the, um, the routine. And so people started massaging people and she said, okay, now stop. She said, now what I want you to do is swap over. So we swapped over um, and mixed around so that we could sort of reset a little bit there. 
And then she said, what I want you to do is actually just don't massage the... We're back. I uh, had a little drop out there. So uh, finishing my story. So what we did was we then um, stood next to the person we were about to massage and then hovered our hands above the person, not touching them, um, say three to five centimetres and just passed our hands over the body Mm. without touching at all. And our instruction was when you find an area or you feel an area or you sense an area that that person needs to be massaged, then start to massage them. Yeah. And it was just this amazing um, energy in the room Mm -hmm. and this amazing experience where you had all these people saying, I didn't know my Achilles was so tight. Oh, just behind my knee. Oh, that's right. That piece in my shoulder, I've been carrying it so much. I didn't know. And there was this picking up of where it was somatically, you know, in the whole body, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then responding to that and serving that person from a therapist why, point of view. Why have we snubbed out the the idea that our body is full of energy we can't really explain, right? <laughs> so, you know, we, we've got nerve endings in every corner of our experience of our bodies right now, rushing, you know, information. And so modern medicine has kind of snubbed that out and said, well, that, that information doesn't matter. And there's no way to interpret that energy field to energy field like you're talking about. And I, and I wonder why. I, I think a, a huge part about becoming ready for the future is tapping into that, um, tapping into that body wisdom, um, getting present enough and out of your head enough that you can interpret that and feel that and move towards what it's asking. Um, I am going this afternoon to my naturopath, kinesiologist, um, Cairo, and osteo. Her name is Emma Macri in Bondi. Oh, sounds like a, um, someone that has collected or built some skills and um, knowledge and tools in a number mm. of modalities. And I can imagine yeah. she then combines those to really serve. In the second, she's yeah. combining it. And it is quite remarkable. There is, she is very clear um, and, and very straightforward. You know, there is actually hardly any conversation. And um, in, in my experience of therapy, I give a lot of empathy and, you know, and, all that stuff. and she has empathy. I'm not saying that, but that's not her job in the room. Mm. Her job in the room is to interpret what's happening in the body, link it to past experiences. Kinesiologists believe that 100% of our experiences are encoded in our central nervous system in our bodies. And so she's tapping into that and interpreting that with and, and uh, with me um, and then cracking and <laughs> stretching and this beautiful process of release. Now, three weeks ago, I had a significant nerve pain in my, the right hand side of my neck mm-hmm. and um, some skin pain to match just on the top of my shoulder. And I knew exactly I needed to call on my support team Emma <laughs> and go and get that sorted. Cause I knew it was my body asking something of me. Yeah. And we processed, did a bit of work and mate, it was all about acceptance. Mm. It was acceptance of myself, not needing acceptance from others. Now, when we talk about the shift that I've had in the last four weeks, this is a central component of it, which was, you know, I've always known I needed to accept myself. I always have known that I've had experiences in my life where I had the opposite of acceptance. You know, I could tell you some horror stories about not being accepted. But 
sitting here at, you know, 33, I still am processing that. I'm still working through that self-acceptance and not needing to look out and around for that acceptance, but also needing that in a particular way. Um, but yeah, just through body awareness, through unlocking some vertebra in my back um, was actually linked to this theme of acceptance that I really needed to look at again, you know, and process. I know we're going to have another conversation at some stage because I, I know you have so much value to share with people and, and stories um, and uh, you have a willingness to go deep when it's, um, when it's needed as well. So mm. um, for anyone that is a strengths finder, coach or um, evangelist or leader out there, I just was hoping you could sort of sum up for me how you bring together strengths in the work that you do because it is quite unique from what other people are doing around the world. Mm. So how would you summarise or bring that together in a description? So Clifton Strengths is a tool which is a hack around self-awareness and self-discovery around what I naturally do well. It unites with my philosophy that the world has created the concept of weakness. Yep. <laughs> the world's stories have created a destructive force between us and them in this particular way. So the, my philosophy that people are more good than bad is throughout all of my work. Um, I combine therapy and coaching in a particular way that helps people declutter the stories from outside of them and get closer to the stories from within them. Mm. And that might be body awareness. It might be just a therapeutic dialogue around the past. It might be talking about Clifton strengths. So specifically I use Clifton strengths throughout my entire relationship. Um, but I will get the survey done and then shelve it until the client wants to talk about it. And when it's right for the client to talk about it, because I don't want it to become another declarative narrative in their life i want it to be self-selected and self-communicated in a I particular think, way yeah and, and i think also from my perspective i don't want to have a blind spot created by only mm. thinking about the only tool to use in this situation is yeah. strengths finder yeah mm. because for a particular client they may not even need that right now you know i i've, I've had a client who had their strengths finder done or clifton strengths done and um you know, we didn't know at the first session what we would be end up talking about, what we would end up talking about, you know, some really intense experiences where, you know, Clifton Strengths really isn't um, overly relevant there. But by God, after 12 sessions and they wanted to move on and up and, and create something for their life, it was there. It was a mm. beautiful gift of this universal language around enoughness. And so it, it is used tentatively like any of my tools that I use with clients. And, um, but, you know, it's a bloody good tool. It's a, it's a, it's a tool that I've never seen an incorrect uh, result come back. Um, uh, and, and so much so when people have blind spots, it's actually probably therapeutic work they might need. Um, if they can't see a particular talent, I go, oh, tell me more about that. That for yeah. me is a, a beautiful expression of what needs to happen next, you know? Yeah, uh, I, and I'm with you on that. I mean, for the uh, number of people that I've, I think it's 1,300 or something now with um, Finder using Clifton Strengths, 
um, I've only had a couple where there's, or a, a handful where um, they haven't uh, embraced one of their top five strengths initially, mm. but then yep. coming back to them, that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see how that shows up now. They've, mm. it, just, it was a bit more of a journey for them. It is. And, and I think when I think about therapy and coaching together, it's talking about the past and I, you know, in therapy, talk a lot about the past lifespan experiences. Mm. We talk about the present moment, getting um, present and aware of the present moment. And then the coaching conversation is that more solution, focused conversation about the future. And that's how I'm combining them together. But Clifton Strengths is just a tool for a greater mission, you know, a, a greater purpose, which is connecting people to their enoughness and their capacity to change for themselves. Um, and, and that coming out of their life force rather than uh, from anything in the world. So I um, love that we're going to finish the conversation on that statement you just made. <laughs> uh, and I've got one thing to say and two questions to ask. Mm. So my one thing to say is thank you immensely. I knew this was a good idea to reach out to you to have this chat. Um, I love who you are as a person, your um, unabashedful, unashamedly um, embracing of who you are authentically um, inspires me to show up even more authentically. So thank you. That's a very kind thing. So I really appreciate the chance to chat today and then share your wealth of knowledge and insights and i also know we've only just tapped the surface of your knowledge so thank you <laughs> now the two questions you've got are um, your definition of inspired energy and if people want to connect with you where can they find you inspired energy for me is energy you're aware of i, I often talk about my purpose is to transform unconscious experience to conscious experiences, more like conscious experiences that any tool I pick up would be in the support of taking unconscious experience towards that known experience or that aware experience. So I think inspired energy is conscious. Mm. Um, it's aware of itself, like you're describing um, you, you, your perception of me right now, which is a very kind thing for you to say and a beautiful image I'm going to take into my week. Um, yeah, it's aware, it's connected. Um, it's serving others. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. You can, you can find more about me at www.andrewsloan.com.au. You have everything there that you need to get in touch with me there. It is a good-looking website too. It's about to be um, completely renovated, so watch this space. <laughs> Great. Thank you, um, Andrew. You go ahead. Have an awesome week. Have a great session with your um, person this afternoon. Look forward to connecting with you this weekend Cannot at wait. the inaugural Strengths um, Weekend. Yeah, the Australian community is coming together. I'm very, very excited. Yep. Go forth. Be you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the opportunity, Muzz. Thanks, mate. Bye, everyone. Bye, mate. Bye.